Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Can leadership training bridge the gap between the marketplace and missions? And can it help open up doors to the gospel in unexpected ways? We'll talk about that and more. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 212 with Ramon Pastrano IV. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by and welcome to the show. We want to see you fully engaged in God's mission on the earth. This week, we're going to be talking about leadership training, missions, cross-cultural ministry, understanding multiculturalism, and much more. I have for you a podcast recommendation brought to you by MissionalAudio.com, and I'm also going to share with you what I discovered when I was interviewing a guest for a show that's coming up soon. I want to say welcome to Steve and Jerry, who recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. If you'd like to check that out and like that page as well, you can visit Facebook.com slash Engaging Missions. That's one of the ways that we can connect and continue building a relationship. And I'd also like to mention that I am in the middle of a fundraiser for Global Initiative. This is a ministry of the Assemblies of God. They provide resources for Christians to engage Muslims and share God's love and the truth of God's Word with them. If you'd like to find out more about them or what I'm doing to raise money for them, visit engagingmissions.com slash fund16. I think it'll be worth your time. Now, as far as today's episode, we'll be talking with Ramon Pastrano IV. And one of the things I so appreciated about our conversation was when he shared how God is using him to show God to others and how using that approach got him to work with people who might not ordinarily be open to biblical principles. I thought that was a great insight about how God's been using him in that particular way. What he does is important, it's difficult, and I think it's worth our time to find out what what God's doing with him. I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's going to be great. Well, today I am so excited to have with me Ramon Pastrano IV. We're going to talk about leadership training, and he has a a number of things going on that I think we're going to get into. But before we do that, Ramon, I just want to say welcome to the show. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Brian. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Oh, I'm glad to have you as well. Now, as we get started, you know, when I was looking through your materials, I thought to myself, an interesting thing for us to maybe start with, because of the leadership training you do, is just to ask you, what's one positive thing or maybe a couple of positive things that you've seen come into people's lives because of leadership training? You know, one of the things is that most people don't know that they have the capacity to lead they're not aware what are their gifts and talents and what are their passion. And they don't know how to find where, you know, that passion, those acumen or those, you know, things that they have engendered for such a long time come together. So one of the things that I always said is that 
anybody can actually lead. In fact, most people are leading and they're not aware that they're leading. Some are leading in the wrong direction, but most, you know, are leading in the positive direction. So as we kind of dig into that, one of the things that you mentioned was that a lot of people don't realize they have the capacity to lead or that they might actually be leading. Do you have any tools or how, how do you help people uncover the ways that they are leading or are prepared to lead? Absolutely. As part of my research and dissertation, we develop a process called the 4I model. And the 4I model of transformational leadership and social innovation begin with identity. That's the first I. Identity is answer the question, who am I? Who am I? But not just who am I, who God created me to be. And do I have affinity with the person that God created me to be? There are several tools that we use to help the person understand how, you know, they have been wired. Mm. We look at strength finders, Myers-Briggs, the intercultural developmental inventory. We look at APES. We look at emotional intelligence. These are tools we call knowledge conversion tools that help the individual have a pretty good picture of who they are internally. The second I is integration. Mm. Now that I know myself really well, who are the others? Who are those around you? How is Brian wire? You know, <laughs> integration answers the questions. Do I know others around me? And because the other can be, you know, different location, we look at integration in three dimensions, four dimension, actually. The first dimension is you and God, you know, so you need to learn how to navigate that space. The second space is you and your wife, significant other and your kids. Third space are the places where you work, churches, you know, where you go. And the fourth space is places where you've never been before, where you are a stranger. So you need to understand how to navigate, how to bridge those places. The third eye is what we call intrinsic motivation. And intrinsic motivation answers the question, why do I do what I do? Hmm. We look, you know, for example, I am wired in a way that I need to have uh, freedom and autonomy. But, you know, my partner, Kathy, she has to have mastery and control. So she needs to have a clear task in front of her while I don't like to have, you know, too much structure. So how do we balance that? The third and the fourth I is once I know how to how I'm wired, how others are wired, how my what my what my motivation for leadership is, then it's about influence and influence. Answer the question. What is the best way to influence and lead? What is my platform? What is my stage? You know, for some people is, you know, 10 people, for others are in the hundreds, for others are in the thousands and the 10,000. But leadership is about influence. It's about time. It's your time to take that stage and you need to be prepared for that. But having said all that, the biggest blind spot of leadership is lack of self-awareness. Hmm. So if you don't know any of these things, it's going to be very difficult for you or anyone to lead. Wow, I, I love that. And as, as I'm thinking about that, I would imagine you've probably had quite a number of people who have gone through this process right now. And I'm wondering, as, as you think about those people, can you maybe picture in your mind one person who going through this really had an impact on their life and their leadership? And not without, you know, without naming names, maybe just share a little bit about their story, you know, who they were coming in and then what happened as they went through this process? 
Yeah, I love to share. <laughs> I love to share more than one story, you know, so that we can contrast. I'm gonna have one particular person, which is was a okay. high school student. Name is Lydia. Let's just leave it at that. Sure. And she came in thinking, you know, that leadership was about popularity, was about whoever had the higher, you know, the louder voice, the person that was more intelligent, etc., etc., etc. Until through this process, she realized I am wired in such an amazing way. I am creating such a beautiful way. And she was able in one week that we spent in the Dominican Republic doing going through this process called Impact Quest for leadership. She discovered that her voice was as powerful as anyone who was seeking the attention or wanted to take over in different situations. So she realized that she knew her time, she knew her moment, and she knew that she could lead with the way that she was wired. Then we have other people that know that they can lead, but they don't know how to harness that power. They come either too strong, they come either too critical, and as such, they turn off their, their follower. So how do we or how might we come alongside that leader, help them realize the potential and the power that they have within that, you know, those skills, but how to harness in a way that involve emotional intelligence and cultural competencies so that they can actually lead in a way that is transformational. Wow. I, I love this. And I, I could geek out on this all day long and just have you talk about this kind of stuff. But we are a podcast about missions and church planting. And I'm wondering why is leadership training so needed in missions and cross-cultural work? Yes, absolutely. Here's what I said, because most mission require us to cross-culture. Mm. Even, even if we are here in the United States, I do a lot of work locally in Minnesota, and it's, I'm constantly working with about seven you know, different people groups mm. you know, among the 150 that are present here in Minnesota. But here's two things that are happening. First, the the demographic is shifting really fast. Yeah. So almost anywhere you go, you see this demographic shift. If you look, for example, at the state where I live, by the year 2026, age 40 and below are going, the majorities are going to be people of color or different, Mm. you know, ethnicity. The other things that we need to keep in mind is the multi-generational aspect. Once you get to second generation, third generation, those present a different level of complexity. It's not just also cross-cultural. With cross-cultural issues also come issues that are systemic. And as leader, we need to understand what are the systemic issues, what are the structural barriers, the personal limitation and system disconnect. And you only are able to do that if you are a system thinker. If you look, you know, at the whole, but then take the time to go into the particular, you know, group of people and examine things with them, not, you know, coming in in a position that you know it all, but, you know, coming, you know, from a position of learning because they are the one who actually have probably the best solution to the problem that they are facing. So leadership, you know, whether it is social emotional leadership, transformational leadership, cross-cultural leadership involve that great understanding of the internal and external. So if you notice that when I was going through the four I model, mm-hmm. there is a dance, you know, from the internal to the external. Yeah. Identity is about the internal. 
integration is about external. Then you go back inside. Intrinsic motivation is about internal again. And influence is about, you know, the external. So there's a balance between what's happening internally as a leader and what happened in the system. And you need to understand both things. So as we go into mission, I've been doing short-term mission, long-term mission since 2001. Wow. What I have found is that we have gone there with great intention, hmm. but good intention is not enough. In fact, I was going to write a book, believe it or not, <laughs> called When Good Intention Hurt. And oh. of course, when helping hurt, you know, came yeah. out, yeah, I say, well, uh, <laughs> exactly. So uh, <laughs> right now, one, one film that actually capture, you know, all my thoughts, you know, in a very powerful way is Poverty Inc., you know, how do we continue to do mission in a way that is still causing people more chaos and more trouble and more, you know, pain? So we need to, as missionary, I think God has equipped us to really do amazing, amazing work in mission. And we need to embrace that. It's going to be hard. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. What happens when a gifted leader or a leader who has been trained and is maybe even a really good leader steps into a cross-cultural situation where they either don't have cultural sensitivity or they don't understand the structures and the systems like you talked about. Yes. First, the most important part is that we usually, a leader that is not prepared may go with a lot of assumptions mm. about what they think, you know, they're saying is being understood. And that's probably one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest problem. A leader may also go and experience a particular culture through monocultural lenses mm. rather than with intercultural lenses. So my biggest work here and everywhere I go is helping leader, a helping leader understand that they cannot function in a multicultural world with monocultural mindsets. Wow. So we need to come into these cultures in a way that, first, with a lot of humility, we need to engage culture the same way that God engages culture and the same way that God embraces culture. That's the first thing. Mm. Best example, Jesus Christ. So how do we or how might we come into these cultures in a way that we are approaching culture from the right side of the equation with multicultural mindset, not monocultural you know, mindsets. Hmm. The third, you know, you know, piece is that we need to understand that we don't see things as they are. We hmm. see them as we are. The default mechanism of our humanity is ethnocentrism. So we're using all those mental models, all those neurological connections that we have made since age two until yeah. where we are today, the places where we live, the geography, the people, our faith, all of that become the lenses through which we engage and judge the world. So it's being aware that that's happening and understanding that at the other end, people also have, a, you know, another worldview, different worldview, different ethnocentric behavior. And we need to respect that. However, there is a way to do this in a way that is healthy and without being assimilated. Hmm. Assimilation is not good. <laughs> so when people talk about the melting pot or when they talk about, right. you know, global village, those are no, 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 no. In a melting pot, you know, people lose their identity. And God created seven, you know, right now there's 7.1 billion people in the world, hmm. 7.1 billion right. unique 
individual, which God, of course, in Psalm 139 is very clearly explicit that he took a lot of care in making us that, you know, with that individuality. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, you're, you're answering many of the questions I was going to ask as a follow-up, because some of these things, even 200 and some episodes in now, some of these are still concepts that I struggle because of my background to understand. So I appreciate that you're kind of breaking that down. Now, it, it seems like from your background that you may have also had an experience where you stepped into a situation in the Dominican Republic and there, there was some of this challenge. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, yes. In fact, this was the catalytic experience that actually catapulted me into really searching my heart and asking God what was it that he wanted me, you know, mm. me to do. I was in the Dominican Republic. This a particular organization have organized a mission trip and no training was given to any of the participants. Mm. The only thing that we were supposed to do was meet them at the airport. And of course, I, I went, I have to admit that I went on that trip mostly out of guilt because <laughs> being from the Dominican Republic and my church going there, I felt like if I don't go on this trip, I'm going to, you know, look like I'm not a grateful person. <laughs> so anyway, it was more about guilt than anything else. But when I arrived at the airport, there was nobody to pick us up. There was a big misunderstanding. Nobody spoke the language. And suddenly I found myself almost like taking a leadership role you know, with about 48 people that I didn't even know. And in the process, I started discovering that the people, the pastors that were supposed to be, you know, part of this mission at the other end that we were helping were not pastor. They had different agenda. Some of the things were being lost, you know, the translator were being shortchanged and it, it was a terrible, terrible mess. But the most important part was when I came back here and I throw all that you know, to the young pastor, he looked straight at my face and he asked me that question. What are you, what are you going to do about it? And, you know, to me, it was like, oh, you know, he's joking. And I just burst in laughing and uh, his face didn't change. So he asked me the question a second time. At this time, internally, I became very angry. Hmm. It's like, you know what? I lived that life for so many years. I live like those kids walking around barefooted, my stomach full of warm you know, with barely finding any food, mm. no him not health care. I used to sleep on a bed made out of sugar cane mm. with my brother. And I said, there's no way I'm going to go back there. But brother, when God really get a hold of you. Yeah. <laughs> I started praying, asking people, friends, and eventually I knew that I could not, you know, loosen up his grip. Yeah. And that's when I made the decision to start this. But you know what? That particular problem, Brian, in the Dominican Republic, we've seen it in Haiti. We've seen it almost everywhere we go where people are very well intended, but they don't know that they are interpreted what interpreted what they're seeing through their American eyes or right. their monocultural lenses. And unfortunately, people are still still promoting trip you know, mm. where they're just taking people to get a taste for mission, you know, not realizing the cost and the burden that they are putting on people that are there. So when you were there and you were in that pastor's office, I would assume that you went out and you maybe had a conversation with God about that. What did that conversation, how, how did that conversation with God go? The conversation with God was, it was a little bit harsh because of course, now for the first time, 
in my life. I have a prominent job. I'm a surgical consultant mm. for a very well-known medical device organization. I'm making good money. And in my mind, I want to be CEO of this organization. Mm. And suddenly, why are you putting these things, you know, in front of me? Why am I bothered? So it was such a disorienting dilemma yeah. that I couldn't sleep. I remember, you know, I couldn't sleep. I will get up in the morning and I open the Bible. And the first thing is, you know, the story of Joseph. And you know, all I can hear is God is with Joseph. You know, God is with Joseph. And, you know, it was something that I could not, you know, could not shake. The, the other things that I wanted to make sure that I didn't do was going to talk to a lot of people. They had to be the right people because I, I wanted to I wanted to make this decision for God and not for myself. Yeah. And needed to have people that I trusted. So and God provided provided those people. And, you know, and, and it's a matter of it's, it's the critical reflection you know, process. When you go deep, deep enough and you start connecting your subconscious to your own conscious and your conscious. Now you have. You know, you have the ability to generate consciousness, to integrate your consciousness hmm. and make decisions from a deep, rich, deep, you know, root inside of you. When I was a kid, I think that my perception was that when God called somebody to something that angels would sing and that there would be a shaft of light and things like that. What I love about your story is that it started with a need that really bothered you. And then it continued with a conversation that was hard. And then it continued further with this seeking God and pursuing that. When you had that clear answer from God going, okay, this is the direction I'm going to have you go. What, what did you do to start moving in that direction? Two things. The most important things at that time, my wife and I were pregnant and just about to have our baby. And I will say she will probably will be the person that will probably get in the most in the way. I mean, you're going to lose your insurance if you do anything else or if you go somewhere else. And she was the first one who said, if God is calling you, you got to go. You wow. got to do it. And I just went, wow. So the first things you start seeing is God begins to align things for you. If he called you, he's going to provide. If he called you, he's going to get you there. That is the beauty of this whole journey. And from the moment, you know, one of the first things that I wanted to do was going to seminary and not to become a pastor because I knew that God was not calling me to be a pastor, but my ministry was going to be at the intersection of everything that is going on today. Hmm. So I'm a former Navy SEAL, uh, no Navy SEAL, I'm a former commanding the United States Navy, but like the SEAL that I used to work with and train with, we have the mindset, we need to be the best that we can be in that particular place. We're not going to turn to turn back. So I knew that he was calling me to go out there. Hmm. The next things that started happening was that things begin to align. Everything that I was passionate about, everything that I learned in the U.S., you know, Navy, everything that I learned through my martial arts, you know, encounter, everything that I learned in medical field now begin to align behind this idea of what impact lives is. Hmm. And not only that, it culminates then with going into this global contextual leadership doctoral program in connection with another organization in Switzerland. And now I find myself traveling all over the world, learning from the best, understanding how system work, really understanding people. I found myself in Israel and Jordan working with Palestinian and Israeli, you know, and conflict resolution, just unbelievable. I mean, 
if you look at my life and I tell you, you know, the places that I have been and who <laughs> I have been with, you just go, it's, you got to be kidding me. And none of that were things that were, that I were, that I was pursuing, but that God aligned and provided for me. Wow. I, I love that. So you, you mentioned this intersection that your ministry is at an intersection of a number of different things. Can you share a little bit about the different pieces or the different places that impact lives touches? Yeah, you know, like right now, and uh, tr- I'm going to try not to mention the name of the corporations, but, you know, there are several large corporations, there are several communities and large cities, officials, government that are struggling with this idea of how do we make decisions hmm. that are, you know, multicultural and that come from an intercultural mindset. Well, unfortunately, 70% of all the people that I have been working with and corporations are in the monocultural mindset. Mm. Minnesota has a huge problem and they have this concept called Minnesota nice and then add to that political correctness. <laughs> and this, you know, most people are in minimization, which is a minimization mindset is one that focus on commonalities, similarities and hide or mask cultural differences. Oh. So people are making decisions and I can show you, I can tell you, you know, uh, you know what some of the, those decisions are. For example, uh, for example, you look at the NBA, you know, the decision that they made with Charlotte, you know, we're going to punish you because you are not providing bathroom, you know, for transgender or for, you know, so you remember the whole, the whole, you know, issue. And as a result, they took the all-star game out of Charlotte. Well, that decision was made from a minimization mindset, Hmm. which actually do not help anybody. It doesn't help the LGBTQ community. It doesn't help, you know, the faith-based community. But what it does is forces people to assimilate and to conform. And, And the worst thing, which is, people then become unconscious or unaware of the biases that are formed under that particular mindset. What they should have done was, and this is what it looked like from an intercultural mindset, was to bring both of those groups together and try to figure out, okay, so we need to respect this particular worldview that is not ready to accept this and your well-being that you also, that is also need to be addressed. So what will that look like? Well, you know, so whoever, what happened in this occasion was whoever had the most leverage actually put, you know, flex that muscle. Hmm. But these things have a tendency to backfire in the long run, just like what you're seeing with race. So we have equal opportunity employment. We have, you know, affirmative action. We have all these laws and rules that we have created to you know, avoid people, you know, becoming racist or, you know, stereotypical or, you know, any of those things that we're seeing today. But guess what? It didn't change people's heart. (laughs) So that's what happened when you minimize or when you create rules or regulations that forces people to behave a certain way. It doesn't change the heart. It doesn't transform people. So transformational work is hard. It takes longer you know, you need to, you know, people need to sacrifices, make sacrifices, and people need to abandon ideologies. Hmm. They need, because once you, once you espouse an ideology, you become blind, you know, of everything else that is out there. 
I see people here also, businesses calling me, who are about to take the world Christ or faith out of their mission statement hmm. because they want to be more inclusive. Well, the minute that you do that, you became an exclusive organization. The minute that you force people, that you force people to have to check part of their identity at the door, you already became exclusive. Hmm. You're no longer inclusive. In fact, every organization that are in minimization cannot claim to be inclusive. Inclusion means leveraging cultural differences to create creativity, to create more peaceful, you know, to create more collaboration. And that is the genius of, of, of working in multicultural environment, having multicultural mindsets around and allowing for people to bring their uniqueness that, you know, that God has gifted them with. These must be some, some incredibly difficult things for a person of faith, a person who cares deeply about people's eternity to also be wrestling with and go, okay, how, how, how can we do this appropriately? How can we, how can we create an environment? How do you reconcile that and, and walk out your faith in these kinds of situations? Absolutely. So here's what I, what I tell, you know, people, you know, Brian, for the last three years, what I have done is I have eat, you know, sleep and uh, breathe Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So I have focused on myself, you know, I mean, you do a lot of, you know, you take all kinds of the uh, theology, all kinds of, uh, you know, courses during seminary, but the best things that happened to me was to spend three years reading the gospel over and over and over and over. Mm. Sometimes you read the four gospel one after another, spend eight hours doing that and just watching how Jesus navigate all these issues and all this problem. And, you know, the whole goal is actually to take the mantle of Jesus. So when I come into these places, I come as, as objective as I can be. None of these places scare me because, you know, my faith is not going to is not going to be compromised. Mm. I know where I land. And I also understand I come, you know, from a different epistemological position. I believe that the world, the entire world, the entire universe was created by God. Mm. And as we read in Genesis, it was good. Mm. He tells us that it was good. Yeah. So everything that is in this world belongs to God. In fact, you know, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't say just, you know, this part of the world, that part of the world, the entire world that he gave his one and only son, you know, Jesus Christ. So to me, I need to love the world in the same way that God loved the world. That means that I also need to sacrifice, you know, myself. But I'm coming into this place, understanding, especially if you follow John, that Jesus is the light of the world. And he came to that which was his own and his own would not, did not recognize him because, you know, the darkness that is around people. But it says that the light shines and that's in the present, still shining, mm. you know, but people are not, are seeing it. So I come with that mindset. I come with a mindset that I'm going to point people toward Jesus Christ. Mm. I'm pointing people toward Christ. Christ is the way, right? He is the light. He is the way. So I don't come, you know, to, you know, to, to any of this situation trying to bring religions or doctrine. I have my own, you know, belief and my own 
you know, doctrine, but that's not where I'm, that's not my starting point. My starting point is pointing people toward Jesus Christ. Mm. So when people, you know, for example, you know, just, you know, here's some simple things. There are a lot of people that say, well, Ramon, you know, I, I don't think we should bring religion here. And I say, I believe I, you know, I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about teaching, you know, these young people or these adults, you know, don't you want them to be more loving, more kind, more generous, mm -hmm. more, you know, care more about each other? Don't you want them to, you know, to have integrity? Don't you want them to really be there for one another? Don't you want, and they all, you know, nodding their head. And then I said, you know, tell me what part of Jesus Christ doesn't teach them that. Mm. So what is it that they are, what is it that they are rejecting? You know, they're rejecting us. They're rejecting Christian, they're rejecting religion. And unfortunately, they're rejecting everything, you know, without even knowing. So, I mean, you, you start looking today and you, you know, and you, you just go, wow. You know, Jesus Christ is the perfect solution to what we're facing today, all this problem. Do, do you find that approaching things this way by teaching the, the principles and the precepts related to leadership and loving people, the, the same kinds of things that we would find in the Bible, gives you an opportunity to get into places that you might not normally get if you did take a religious direction first? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's, it's mental models. People have a, people develop mental models, you know, and ideologies based on what they see, what they hear. The media is a very powerful tool right mm -hmm. now. And the media have created this, you know, mental models about Christianity, about, you know, the church and about people of faith that, you know, it, it is really, really bad. So, you know, our job is to provide people with different type of experiences where they can go and say, oh, I thought, you know, that this meant this, but, you know, wow, I never saw it this way. And those moments are the moments where their eyes are open, where their conscious and their subconscious come together and it provides the best opportunity for transformation. People, people want what we what we want people desire what we desire they just don't know and they don't know how to go you know about it i hear people what is it that they say on you know usually through social media mm. they go back and forth i'm sending i'm sending goodbye vibes <laughs> yeah i'm yeah i'm you know and what is it that they're trying to say uh, you know yeah. i'm praying for you but it's not invoked to say i'm praying for you so you need to, you know, we need to help people find, you know, find their way. We need to, especially in this, in this country. I mean, this country is, you know, Christ is in the DNA of everything in this particular culture in the United States, mm. you know, educational system, judicial system. I mean, anywhere you go in Washington, D.C., God, God, God. So but we just lost our way and we just need to help people connect. So, so are you able then to help people connect the dots between the, the, the good vibes, if you will, and the person, the giver of life, connect them with Jesus by approaching things this way from time to time? Oh, absolutely. I, I can go even, I can go even more directly than that and faster than that now. Yeah. I can, you know, oh yeah, absolutely. I can bring Jesus anywhere. You know, it's, you cannot, you cannot argue with who Jesus is and what Jesus done 
and what he wants you to be. You know, <laughs> nobody can argue with that. What people, like I said, what people are, you know, struggling with is with religion. Hmm. You know, people are struggling with, you know, the different faith, the fact that we have, you know, thousands and thousands of denominations, you know, people are confused. So when I, almost everything that I teach and everything that I use to engage the world is, is based on the life of Jesus Christ. Hmm. I mean, you walk through that model and you look at uh, identity, you know, this is my beloved son hmm. with him. I am well pleased. Yeah. Integration, watch Jesus going in and out the places that he went, you know, proclaiming the kingdom and doing the healings. Intrinsic motivation, you know, Jesus knew what was in any man. So that's why he didn't accept, you know, man, you know, compliment or whatever they wanted to do with him. Jesus knew himself. He knew what his mission was and influence. Look what he did. So it's, it's you know, the connections are there and they're very simple to make. But what is really helpful, Brian, is that when people see this model, especially Christian in the workforce, hmm. they make this connection right away. And this gives them something to share with other people. I, I really like that. I, I like your perspective. I, I love talking to people that have gone deep to study things that I don't understand. So I, I appreciate you doing that. One of the things that you mentioned is that you want everybody who encounters you to have an encounter with Jesus, to see Jesus. Can you share a little bit of what that kind of encounter would look like in your life where they would see Jesus in those interactions? Absolutely. You know, a lot of what I just told you, how, you know, how I make decisions, how do I bridge, you know, a conflict, especially, you know, culture right now. How do I love? I lead with love. I lead from behind and I lead from below. I am the way without being in the way. Mm. That's my motto. You know, be the way without being in the way, lead from behind, lead, but always, always help, helping people, creating the conditions where people can become what God has created them to be. Here's an example. I take a group of students, and this is not a faith-based trip. We took them to, on an impact quest journey. We do this with faith-based group, and we also do it with non-faith-based group. This particular group of people, of students, were not, you know, a faith-based group. But one of the students happened to walk into a village, a Haitian village. Mm. And, you know, they all did, you know, one of the things that we do, let me start, you know, you know, from the beginning. One of the things that we do is before we go into any places, they have to go and form relationship with the people. You know, you don't do anything. You don't bring anything. You don't hand out anything. In fact, you know, we don't hand out anything. We work with people. We get to know people and we are there with people. Mm. And this particular young man, I think he was about 15 at a time, at a time, had a conversation with a woman and unbeknown to me. And what happened was that that evening he was journaling and in his journal, he was, he stopped journaling and then he looked at me and right in front of the group, he said, Hey, I met this woman. She knows you. And she said to me, are you with Ramon? And I say, yes. And she said to him, wow, Ramon is like Jesus to me. Do you know that I have given birth and I have a, all my stitches came out and she had a really, really nasty infection and immediately we took her and took her to the doctor, took her to the hospital. 
And boy, it was more serious than what we thought. You know, there were more internal issues and uh, she could have lost her life. But our quick interaction saved her life. And she remembers that. And what she told this man, this young man, was Ramon is like Jesus to me. I mean, I cried. Yeah. <laughs> I That was uh, really humbling to me. But that's that's what I want. Mm. I want people to to see that in whichever way. You know, they can see it. We've talked a little bit about your leadership training, what the kinds of things that you offer. You mentioned that you work with large companies. You also work with governments and organizations. Is there a particular type of organization that what you do is best for? Yes, but it's not it's, it's not what the organization do, but what the organization is seeking. Okay. There are organizations. Yeah, there are organizations that are, you know, more of go with the flow, the status quo. Mm that we are not for them because what we're asking them is to do something radically different. So we are not in the business of remediation. We are in the business of prevention, prevention and healing. Hmm. So this is what, this is what I mean. I, I heard a analogy by Joseph Granny where he went to an HIV conference in Toronto. I think it was. And the way that goes, he said, you know, there were, thousands and thousands of people, 90 to 95% of everything that they show was how to cope with the disease, how to get better insurance, get better treatment. He said, I was appalled. I was surprised to the fact that only 5% or less was how to prevent the disease. Mm -hmm. It was like washing car coming down a hill, a precipice, a a cliff. And instead of sending somebody at at the top of the cliff, we were sending ambulance mm. at the bottom of the cliff to pick up the body. So most of the work that I see being done in the humanitarian work, community work in the nonprofit world are pretty similar to that. They're just putting band-aids and putting, you know, focusing a lot on remediation. We actually are not. We are in the business of healing and prevention. Mm. And we begin by helping people understand how systems are behaving. We talk about root cause analysis. So, for example, we took a group of students to the Dominican Republic. And, of course, you know, usually, and you have to take them, you know, easy, you know, because uh, many times you don't want to lose them. You know, sometimes they just want to be so generous, but they don't know that their generosity can really, you know, end up causing more harm. So this group wanted to help. We told them, well, just, you know, just wait. We're going to put you through a process that is going to help you. And the process includes getting to know Dominicans, getting to know Haitians, getting to do immersion with them. So after they spend all this time talking with them, they realized that what they wanted to do was not, you know, what they needed. Mm. What they needed was a, was a clinic, wow. you know. So, and from that idea, then how do we do this clinic? So we put them through another process of human-centered design and design thinking. And we brought in the Dominicans. We brought in the director of the, of the regional hospital, the mayor of the city, if, you know, a group of doctors from the medical school and decided that it has to be a clinic that is run by Dominicans, that is run by the system there, and that everybody had to have some skin in the game. Hmm. So lo and behold... You know, after three years, that's what we end up with. We end up with a specialized diabetic food infection clinic in the Dominican Republic that has a cardiovascular surgeon 
general surgeon, internal medicine, and many others, you know, looking for that particular, you know, population patient. Wow. Patient population. That, that, that's really pretty incredible. If somebody is listening to this and they're thinking to themselves, you know, I might be interested in knowing more about what Ramon is doing, or maybe, maybe this would be a good fit for my organization. How can they best connect with you? Yeah, actually, they can connect with me through our website, which is www.impactlives.org. They can connect directly with me, mm. Ramon, R-A-M-O-N, at impactlives.org. Yeah, so love to share some of this, some of these ideas. The other thing that is really cool about it is that the person that lead the project in the Dominican Republic is such a strong Christian mm. woman, and she has a radio program. So all of this is done through has a Christ-centered lens and approach. I love that. And if there's somebody that's listening and they're thinking, you know, maybe I'm not a great fit for, for this organization. Maybe I don't have an organization that I can connect, but they want to know more. Is there a resource that you would point them toward? Resource for us, uh, you know, in our website, we do, we do have a lot of yeah, resources, you know, resources. Is there some place that they yeah, should start, so, maybe a first one? Yeah, well, it depends. If you want to do, you know, the, the work on how to do the actual work in, in whatever mission field you are, it could be here in the United States, that is, that is, you know, that is easy. I can, I can actually, if, if they can go to our, to our website, our website, they can find some of those resources there. You know, we can, you know, and some of them are not even my resources. You know, there are great organizations, great universities that are giving these things for free. And, you know, what we do is we look at it, we examine, and if it is good, we'll use it. If it's not, we change a few things, we tweak it, and we bring our own lenses through mm -hmm. it. Yeah, so never, never afraid. Remember what I said, right? Everything <laughs> that is in this world belongs to God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then... How can we best pray for you? Because what you're doing is valuable. How can we best support you in prayer? You know, like you said, we're doing a lot of things that are very countercultural. We are going to places where, you know, we're asking CEO of company to, to change their decisions mm -hmm. that they have made because they made it from a monocultural mindset. And it's easy for me. It's easy for us to show them why, you know, but... A lot of things can get in the way. And one of those things is what we call this overarching culture, you know, in the United States right now, this, you know, polarization that exists between, you know, people. So we need, you know, we're fighting against that. So if people can pray for, you know, for us, you know, for protection from that, for open door from, for favor from God, you know, so that anywhere we go that he prepare hearts and mind and souls to, open up, you know, to come to us with an open mind, open heart and open will, that will be fantastic. Well, I, I would like to encourage you, if you're listening, to take a minute, pause the recording and go ahead and do that prayer right now, because this is important. It does matter. And I know from my experience, it's really easy to think I'll pray for that tonight when I go to bed and forget. So I'd like to encourage you to just take a minute, pray for Ramon and Impact Lives. If you're interested in connecting with him or finding the resources that we talked about, visit the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Ramon Pastrano. And Ramon, I just want to say one more time, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I thought it was wonderful. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate you and I appreciate your audience. These are very difficult time and the lack of understanding, you know, 
and lacks, lack of cooperation mm. is really hurting us. So we are in the thick of that and we need, you know, all the prayers that we can use. Like Ramon said, they are in the thick of it. They're in the middle of it. And they're doing their very best to bring biblical principles and God's love everywhere they go, that every encounter that they have is an opportunity for somebody to have an encounter with Christ. And I really, really appreciate that. In just a minute, I'm going to share with you what I what I discovered when I was having a recent interview with an upcoming guest. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to ruin that guest's story or anything like that. It's something that God showed me as we were talking. But before I do that, I do have a podcast recommendation for you, brought to you by missionalaudio.com. This week's recommendation is the Crescent Project Radio. And just like Ramon's been talking about bringing Christ into the marketplace, Crescent Project Radio's focus is more on Muslims and understanding Muslims and bringing Christ's love into those kinds of situations. I'll read for you their description. In a day when fear and questions surround the conversation of reaching out to Muslims with the gospel of Jesus Christ, Crescent Project offers a simple step forward. Obedient love casts out fear. I'd like to recommend that you check this out. I think it's a podcast that's worth at least checking out and maybe even adding to your subscription list. That You'll find the link for that at missionalaudio.com. And if you know of a podcast or an audiobook that I should add to missionalaudio.com, I would love to hear about it. Please send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com with your recommendation or stop by missionalaudio.com and make your suggestion right there. I really want to make this a valuable resource for people to connect with audio products, whether audiobooks or podcasts, that are focused on evangelism, missions, missional living, church planting, those kinds of things, so that there's a place for people to go to find this, especially if they're interested in listening on the go. That's missionalaudio.com. So what is it that a recent interview reminded me of, and why am I going to share it with you? Well, I guess I'll kind of set the stage for you. It was just a few days ago as I'm recording this, and I was talking with an upcoming guest, and one of the things he talked about was the value in his life of being part of a men's group. And it reminded me that I am also part of a group. Now, there's nothing magical about it being a group of men as opposed to a group of women or even a group of both men and women. That's that's not the point. It's, it's a group of people with whom I've begun to develop a long-term relationship by meeting regularly and sharing our lives on some level, and it's been really valuable in my life. It reminded me of the scriptures from, for example, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, where it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Or in Proverbs eleven fourteen, where it says, where there is no counsel, people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And I've found both of those things to be true in my life. This group of people, they, they sharpen me. They help me to be sharper. They find some of the rough spots and they rub them off or smooth them out. Some of the areas where I've become dull, they sharpen me. Also, their counsel helps me avoid making silly mistakes. And that's something that's very possible in my life. I don't know about you. And it also reminded me that, again, from the Proverbs in Proverbs thirteen twenty, where it talks about walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. And this 
to me, speaks to the incredible value of being surrounded by people who are like-minded and who are rooting for you. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have relationships outside the faith, that we shouldn't have friends who are not believers. In fact, I believe that we should. If we're in the marketplace, we should be interacting with as many people as possible from as many parts of life as possible. But it's also incredibly important to have this group of people who are able to speak into our lives. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is, is for, for a couple of reasons. First off, for you, if where you are, there's the opportunity to be part of one of these groups, I would like to encourage you to do anything that you can to be part of a group of people with whom you have meaningful, God-centered, long-term relationships. They don't necessarily have to take the same format as what I do. In fact, I'm not even going to share that part with you because that's not the point. The point is that you're in relationship with people who love Jesus and love you and can speak into your life and you can speak into their life because then we grow. We have the opportunity to challenge each other, equip each other, inspire each other to grow. Now, for ministers, ministry leaders, and church planters that you know, I would like to encourage you to pray that God would surround them with people who can speak into their lives and support them and that God himself would be there for them when nobody else can. Because sometimes missionaries, ministry leaders, church planters, even pastors living in their home country can be in a unique situation where they can't necessarily share their lives in the same way with everybody about around them, and especially people who are ministering in a cross-cultural circumstance. They may not have somebody else to share their life with. So I'd like to encourage you to pray that God would put those people in their lives and that in the areas where those people can't be part of it, or maybe those people aren't even around them, that God himself would be that relationship for them. Then I would also like to encourage you to think about relationships. Don't just think about the people who can benefit you. Think about looking for the outcast and the marginalized. Look for opportunities to make them part of your life, whether they ever become part of your, in air quotes, inner circle or not. Make them part of your life because they matter. Scripture tells us that Jesus came to, to speak freedom to the captive and healing to the sick and good news to the poor, and he might just want to use you to do that. So I'd just like to encourage you, make sure that you have people in your life with whom you have relationship, who can speak into your life and who love God. Pray for missionaries, ministry leaders, church planters around you, those you know, that they would also have those kinds of relationships, even if they're separated by miles, that they would have those kind of relationships. And look for opportunities to also extend your relationships to people who might be the outcast or might be the marginalized. I think that you'll see God's hand in your life and that you'll be able to also see God's hand in the lives of the people you know. I think it'll be incredibly valuable for you. So this week, we've heard from Ramon Pastrano IV about what God's been doing in and through his life and the business that he has in terms of building relationships, bringing biblical principles and leadership, and bringing the gospel, encounters with Jesus everywhere that he goes. We've had a podcast recommendation from Missional Audio, and I shared with you something that I discovered or remembered when I was having a guest interview. Come back next week. We're going to be hearing from Carl Meisterheim. He wrote some software called Support Goal that helps missionaries and ministry leaders and church planters, anybody involved in a faith-based or fundraising-based ministry, effectively raise funds, build relationships, 
and keep track of everything. I think that you're going to enjoy our time together. I think that what he shared was really valuable. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss that is to visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. You'll find a number of ways to subscribe there using your favorite podcast app, whether it would happen to be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play or any number of other ways. Uh, And also, make sure that you help us know what we can do to improve the show. If you have any suggestions, whether it would be for a guest or something, some segment that we could add or remove from the show that would make it better, make sure that you let me know about that. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Now, before I let you go, I just want to let you know that I really appreciate you. I believe that God has a plan for your life. God has something set up for you to do, and he wants to be a part of that. I would just like to encourage you, if you're feeling held back or feeling like maybe there's not something for you, God has something for you. So when he tells you to move, feel free to move. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.